You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. And we're here to bring you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, and observe throughout our careers. Today's conversation may feature spoilers on the entertainment we are about to discuss. So you have been warned. Yes. We have a double feature on Broadway today, so we are going to be starting off with one of the shows that we've recently seen, and I'm going to let Richie take this over. So, tell us what we're starting Take it away, yes. Well, we uh, uh, were, technically, we had posted on our Instagram a little bit of a spring break week, but we threw in a little surprise episode for you. We're getting in our Life of Pi episode. Mm -hmm. We were invited by the team at Life of Pi to come check out one of their performances recently. It just opened on Broadway to wonderful reviews. It's playing at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. Uh, Life of Pi is based on the novel novel by Jan Martel, adapted by Lolita Chakrabarty, and it's directed by Max Webster. This, as some of you may or may not know, came from London. It was very, very successful there. Um, it won the lead actor who's playing Pi, the Olivier Award. Um, his name's Haran Abayas. Sakara, sorry about that. And um, Hiran was amazing in the role, and he is now playing the role on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So, Life of Pi on Broadway. Um, this was absolutely incredible. This was seriously, I think, one of the best things I've seen in a really long time. Yes. In so many ways. It's hard for me to really think of something else that comes close to this. I don't know. What Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I feel like. I've like made a little bit of a statement here for myself, my statement and why I think everyone should go see Life of Pi on Broadway. I think that it's visually beautiful. And I think the puppetry alone is spectacular. Yeah. And I I do have to say, I think Haran Abisakara is giving a performance of a lifetime. Yeah. I think, like, for those three things, everyone should be saying, I need my tickets right now and go check this out. And this is, like, before all the spoilers in our (laughs) review of this. But if you got to this far, there's just so much happening on that stage that is just amazing. And I I agree with you. I don't know what other play right now is kind of, like, on Broadway that's hitting this same mark of visually beautifulness and 
great acting performances and just the puppetry. Visually beautifulness. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Visually, I have a list going of the words that Jeff makes up on the podcast. Visually beautifulness. Would you like to defend that? I will. <laughs> I will defend it. it. You could have just said visually beautiful. <laughs> I had to just, I'm sorry. I thought that was funny. You know. I have a list going of the words that are used to describe visually beautifulness. <laughs> all right. Yes. I'm, I'm coming on my A game here. Uh, it's all, all right? good. It's all good. What's wrong with beautifulness? Beautifulness. I don't know. But listen, this has moments to me of just everything. I understand it's based off a very famous book and a very famous film. And that helps in a way with some of the marketing on this. But if I knew if this was a piece that I knew nothing about and it wasn't based on a book or a movie, it was like an original concept thing, I still would have thought this was amazing. This, I mean, there's some wonderful acting performances going on. I don't feel like it's too long. I love, love, love. You know, a lot of times I sit here and I really bash the set design. And I really, just really loved the scenic design, the costume design, the puppet design, the sound design, the lighting design, the projection design. Mm. Every single designer you can tell sat in many rooms many times and worked together to create that. And a lot of times I'm seeing on Broadway lately, the costumes were great, but it wasn't lit well, or the set was okay, but the sound was great. And such inconsistency in design. And here's a director and a design team that are at the front, cutting edge. And if this doesn't win, at least get nominated and win a bunch of Tony Awards this year for this incredible design work, that is, to me, the strongest part of this show. Every inch of that space is used perfectly in and out of the audience, the center revolving stage with the boat and the lighting. We were in kind of more in the rear orchestra, so we could kind of see, we were raked a little bit, so we could see the floor and some of the designs going on. I know someone that sat up in the mezzanine and actually recommended you sit in the mezzanine to see this floor designs. Mm. But interesting, Jeff, I want to ask you this question because you have never read the book or seen the film. And you knew nothing about the plot. And I had suggested, why don't we go watch the film before you said, no, no, no. I said, okay, because I know the film and I know what happens. So seeing this with a blind eye, were there moments of, ah, for you, were you like taken aback when the tiger is maybe not the tiger and things like that? Who is the tiger, right? What, I'm so and the animals. happy that you are bringing this up. Yes, I want to know I'm your take so on happy. that. It's I'm good so for happy. our viewers to know that too, because some people like don't always like to go read the book or see the film version before seeing it. Some do, I do, but not everyone does. So, so here's my opinion on that. First of all, I'm very happy that I stayed true to my gut that I did not go and watch yeah. the film or read the book. Yeah. Because I was still blown away. I know nothing about Life of Pi. I've heard of it and I never saw it. So now that it's on the stage and going to see this and my lovely Richie over here wanted me to watch the movie so bad. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I really don't want to watch it. So I was like at the edge of my seat. Yeah. When you're finding out the whole twist in this, this film, uh, this play. And I'm like, oh my God, no. What? I literally thought he was on the boat with the animals yeah, the whole time. Yeah. Well, and, and he makes you, and he says that line at the end, like, what, isn't that the better story to tell? You know? Right, which is a whole thing that I want to get into. Yeah. But this is like, whoa, when you start hearing this and you're like, wow, I never would have put two and two together. Mm -hmm. And it just was so much more impactful.
that when I'm watching this, I'm like, wow. And they did it so well. Yeah. They really did it so well. And like bringing the characters in and out, it just had that feeling of like, okay, he's on the boat. He's delirious. He hasn't had water. He hasn't had food. So is he just visualizing these things? Meanwhile, they're there the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really cool. I was taken back and just fully invested in it. I was also really impressed with the way that we were seeing puppets. We've seen puppets on stage before, life-size puppets, Lion King, we see it. It's nothing new. But the way that animals were either killed or or fighting, and that I thought the most gorgeous puppet was the turtle being opened and the red streams coming out, or the red insides coming I was like, this is like really, really smart and really well done. The the leg, the hurt zebra leg, the orangutan, all these animals and that tiger approaching the man who was performing as the tiger, multiple people and becoming. And then I loved at the end how it ended with him and the tiger together. Like he is the tiger. Yeah. And he was trying to, you know, he was afraid of the tiger. He was afraid of himself, but he was that saving other people trying to. Right. Just, just amazing. Which I'm going to put this question kind of back to you. Yeah. For someone who had seen the film. Yeah. How do you think that the stage adaptation really lives up to the film? Well, the film uses, of course, all these like, you know, CGI special effect moments. And it's a very like, whoa, filmic. I saw it in a movie theater. And I think I might have even seen it in the IMAX. So I feel like there was like, whoa. So it's got it's challenging for someone to say, how do we tell this on stage? Could it have been done with a ton of projections and a ton of lights and like, yeah, but no, like you, it's theater. So use actors and use puppets and tell the story. We've been using puppets for thousands of years and telling stories. Yeah. Use puppets, not as full life size and people being the puppet. If pe- if the animals are supposed to be symbolic of people, then put people in the puppet costumes and make that. It's just so smart. I just, I think smart theater is missing so many times, and sometimes you only see these really smart, well-designed things like in an off-Broadway space or an out-of-town. To see this as a commercial run in a Broadway show, I just, is really, I mean, really, my jaw was on the floor yeah. the whole time. I think that what's cool about this show, too, is this is a, still a think piece, even though it's so visual and there's so many elements that are happening on the stage, there's still a story here that just has such a meaning. Uh, and, and two big things. One, of religion. And two, what is your story? Mm-hmm. So, and how do you tell that story? The same way that religion tells story. So yeah. it's so interesting to kind of get into what Pi is kind of pushing throughout this whole piece. Right. And it's like, what religion am I part of? Who is telling me the better story? To where he had to take one of those characteristics later in his yeah. life after being on this boat and how did he tell the story yeah. and it goes back to when we're younger and you know coming from a catholic faith where they they teach you stories with animals and people like pi in in our early days but what do those stories actually represent right. which is why i kind of wanted to go deeper into this with you on how you think that was told on the stage as well because i would have never thought to use religion and then a story of being on a boat in the same way. Right. And it was smart that it's written that way. Right. And I think that there's this wonderful, when the set opened up and there were levels of people in the village talking down to him, talking to him, the, the, the boat that also became the boat. Like it just was told so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think that this aspect of religion built in 
with the story of this. It is Noah's Ark-esque. There is this, you're on a boat and you have to save the animals that are left. There is a total religious undertone here. Uh, I just think Noah's Ark first because that's such a famous tale, right? But there's multiple religions being represented here. There's also this like people coming to the to i think they were going to canada and leaving their home country to start a new life and then when most of them can't and what is his new life in a hospital and all it is is people interrogating him there's a sadness to that too and so there's there's also like a mystery to it and there's a sense of hope and there's a sense of that he made he survived that right which speaking of survival the fight for survival and him learning about survival from an early age of when the father gives the goat to the tiger yeah. and how that's how life works, the circle of life. But and also he the had wor- to learn to be the tiger when he was on the boat. And also the the title, the, the name of this play is not just called Pi, it's called Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. So his life is him living still, right? And this, he lived, he is living, and it is his life story that he's telling. So life, like you say, circle of life, living, what is that? That's a big theme here too. Mm -hmm. There's so much to talk about. And I just feel like, I did feel like the audience really enjoyed it too. I feel like they were really, oh my gosh, just invested in it. Totally. For sure. Do you um, feel that... Pi was the best performance because he's the, he was the standout performer. Yeah, but I do think a close second come becomes all these puppeteers. Yeah, that is there. We like forget that those are not animatronics. They're not real animals. They are human being actors yeah. who are crouched over and leaning and laying and and moving and grunting and that is such hard physical work and that's an art form. Mm-hmm. If all those people could be nominated for something too, you know what they're doing up there, and he's working with them. Right. Um, that's a, that's yeah. Everyone else was nice too in the in their acting overall, the family yeah. and the friends. But I thought, and the two people who interrogated him. But overall, I really thought it was him and those puppets that led the show. Yeah, and then the set too. Yeah, as a performance, the whole entire set was living and breathing with the whole performance. Yeah, I just thought it was for sure. There. For sure, really, really impressive stuff. I also, it's funny because I always feel like we sometimes end these conversations on these shows with like something that happened to us at the theater. And we were in- Here we go, everyone buckle up. We were in the theater and someone was in front of us, um, an older woman with maybe it was her friends, and she was talking a lot pre-show about a million things. I'm like, okay. And then during the show, she kept talking. So it's like, okay, this is not a child. This is an adult talking. So the man sitting next to her said, can you please be quiet? And she got so upset and then kept talking and then kept moving and then getting upset. He said, ma'am, please stop. And I, I really thought the usher was going to come over at some point. I, then I saw an intermission. He went to the usher to complain about this woman who wouldn't stop talking. But she was causing all these movements and distractions. And, and we're sitting in center rear orchestra. And then she he got his seat moved. It's act two. She's still talking. And I was like, why are you talking? Yeah. Like you're in, she was much older than me, what it looked like. And with her friends too, clearly people who I would think have been to shows many times before. I'm sure. I just don't understand what is so difficult about sitting still and not talking. And if you cannot do that, 
I understand that like that is difficult for youth. Maybe that is difficult for people who struggle with things in their personal life. Then you need to realize like that other people are paying a lot of money to sit around and watch this and this immersive piece. And maybe you need to choose a seat location that's better. Or maybe someone should have been with you that could keep help keep you quiet. Like a parent with a child. Maybe this woman needed someone to say, please, you, to remind her to stop talking. That's okay. Everyone has, I don't know, but I'm just blown away that people are asked to please stop talking and they're continuing to talk and causing problems. I don't know. That was just wildly distracting. It was only for a few minutes. It wasn't like the whole show. It but, was the whole show. Well, <laughs> it was, it was no, worse than some It was points. the whole show. Literally, the fight scene is happening on stage, and the two of them were literally bickering between Yeah, and other. then the people sitting next to us were like, are you are you watching the fight that's happening on stage or the fight that's happening in the row before? I'm like, it was just so embarrassing, and it was really not cool. Yeah. We're sitting in a Broadway theater. This is not a children's piece where kids are shouting out loud or it's more immersive like that. You just need to like sit quiet. Yeah. And for adults to be talking, she was not stop talking. Oh my God, do you see that actor there? Oh my God, that was so great. Like, please stop talking. I just don't understand. It really blew my mind. And I really the tried etiquette to- etiquette in theater is completely gone. It's, it's just gone. I don't know, since we've come back from the pandemic and, and everyone then, shouts, everyone sings, everyone talks, everyone does this. No one cares anymore. I just don't understand people. It's disrespectful to the people up on that stage. And it's disrespectful to the people that are around you. And so when we go to a play like Doll's House, which we talked about a few podcast episodes ago, and there's multiple signs and ushers saying, you're not going back to your seat if you leave your seat. We this is There's no late seating. You must stay quiet the whole time. Like you... Like, that is, I yeah, we're treated like kids in a field trip, but, like, that's how you have to speak to people now. Yeah. And it's, but then that audience was really great at Doll's House. We were like dead silent. So oh, some yeah. things are, like, really, really great. And then you're at Neil Diamond, and you're like, what's happening? So, like, it's, well, it's the, I mean, they're doing it to themselves. Yeah, because they're, right, they're asking the audience to get involved. But anyway, I just had to make that comment. Please be respectful in Broadway theaters. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. All right. And that's my sneeze segue into the next show we saw this week. We went for the second time to see the off-Broadway revival of Little Shop of Horrors, which is really right in Midtown at a big theater. It's behind Jeff on the video there. And this... There we go. This starred Maude Apatow and Matt Doyle. Now, we did not see Matt Doyle. Mm. We saw his understudy. Matt, we missed you. We saw you in company. You were amazing. We were hoping for you. The understudy was great, though, in this. And we saw Maude Apatow. When, when this was announced, Jeff's birthday was last week, too. So, yay. Happy belated birthday to Jeff on the podcast. He really wanted to see this for his birthday. He said, I got to go see Maude. And we love Maude and Euphoria. So... We've seen this show already. Yes. We saw this pre-pandemic, so we never did a podcast episode. No, we um, didn't. So we can kind of talk about talk it about now. the show and her. What were your thoughts? What do you think? Thoughts on this show as a revival, and then what are your thoughts on Maude as Audrey? So what I'm really loving about this little shop off Broadway revival run is that I think that this has found its home for good. For a long time. For a long time. Well, don't forget the original Broadway run was in a small off Broadway theater for many years. Right. So. So now that this started before the pandemic, it had Jonathan Groff in it, which we saw, and he was fabulous, and he spit all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Um, but I think that it just works there. I know you saw it on Broadway, so... Well, I saw it on Broadway as a kid, and it was in a big house. It was in the August Wilson, where Funny Girl is now. Huge set, big plant. If you think that plant is big in the off-Broadway, oh, it was huge on Broadway. But... It it has to fill a space like that, yeah. And it just and it's but it's an intimate 
the venue show, is, show. it's the meant show to be intimate. camp and it's supposed to be small and you're supposed to feel like you're in the shop with them and you're seeing all this you know that's why i think like it's it's in the perfect theater right now where yeah. it's just the right amount of seats. We yep. were almost like in what the last row it's been and the like rear you, orchestra, but you felt like you, and were you so felt close. like you were there. And I just, the show is so camp. It's so fun. Yeah. It's like, it's so catchy. It's Alan Menken at its finest. So, yeah. you know, his first big work actually. Yeah. I, I still think suddenly Seymour is one of the greatest musical theater songs Ever written. I get right. chills every time I hear it. It's just gorgeous. But almost every song in the show is great. The urchins are always fabulous. Yeah, they carry the whole show. Carry it. Yeah. And I I just love what they're doing. I mean, is it a stunt cast show now? Well, where yeah. It's like they bring someone in, they have a great run, then they keep bringing someone in, and they cycle out the Seymour, they cycle out the Audrey, and it's just working. You know, and... Yes, when Maud was announced, I was like, we need to go because I needed to see her yeah. on stage. And we got to meet her after. We did meet her after. <laughs> I, we said, you're a star. You're we a star. Where'd she say her thing? You're I love to say you're a star. star. But she sang it well and acted it well. And she looked great in the wig yes. and the dress. And she just, she was really comfortable up there, I thought. I would have loved to have seen the dynamic between her and Matt. Yeah. Because um, who knows what that is. Yeah. I'm sure people have seen it. And yeah, yeah. He was just is. out that day. Yeah. But he was out. So I just, I was great. And I liked seeing her different take on the role. Yeah. You know, what do you think about the longevity of this show? Kind of. When just, it works, it works. Just, I understand the stunt casting in a way. Just keep, you know, but you can stunt cast anyone. The dentist. He was great, by the way. Drew Gelling. He was hilarious we saw christian borrell do it in the original too who was also hilarious right that, that role, role is, is so funny oh my god it was steve martin did it in the film yeah um the film is so good too and I'm, I'm such an ellen green fan and i will say i feel like all the audrey's in this revival are doing this like real girl belting yeah but that kitschy camp like oh one the whole like ah, the, the dramatic thing is just ellen it, and like yeah. it just it worked be. for ellen in the film it worked for ellen in the broadway off broadway and so like you don't need to mimic Ellen. Like, let no. El- Ellen did that. And I don't feel like anyone does that. And that's okay. You know, like, let people right. make I that. do think sometimes people want that every single yeah. time they see the show. Because that's, like, the campiness of it. Yeah. But I do like the real, like, take on the role as well. Yeah. So, yeah, love it. There was also an announcement this week that Joy Woods, who was an original urchin from the original Which we um, see. All, the original cast of this production, um, who we saw in it, yes, um, is going to be playing Audrey starting May 2nd when Maude leaves. So really great stuff there. Uh, I, I love that a woman of color is going to be playing this role now. Um, I also wanted to mention that we went to Pasadena back in 2019, I want to say, and yeah. we saw George Salazar and MJ Rodriguez play this um, in the Pasadena Playhouse production, which was amazing, too. And very different take. It was more modern. It was dark, darker than it is. Um, and MJ was great. So to see a trans performer play the role, like this role can be played, like, let's keep going. Like, Ellen Green is always older. I always think, like, what if an older person plays it? What if a younger person? What if why don't we have a, a, a larger actress play it, right? Like, we should have different yes. types of people playing this role all the time, I think, you know? Mm, yeah, and that was a great performance as well. Richie loves Little Shop of Horrors. So. Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's so well written. <laughs> the music is so good. And we don't see kitschy camp, you know, commentary on 1950s horror films like that. The, also, the plant is amazing. And that's like a lot of work for those puppeteers. Yeah. Talking about puppets from earlier. What's right? funny is actually some of the friends that we were with at this last performance, a lot of them have not seen it in a while too. And a lot of people have only ever seen the movie. 
So yeah. when they see this and how the endings are very different, yeah, everyone's always different. like, wait, they all went in the plant? They're all in the plant and they became the plant and they're singing, don't feed the plants, like, because now the plant is going to take over. Right. And then when it's in the movie. They kill the plant, I think, in the they, film, right? Yes. And they both leave together. Yes. Because he so takes her out of the plant. Maybe? He takes her yeah. out and before she's yeah, killed. Yeah, that was a change in the film. There's also a rumor that they're trying to redo this film. They keep saying that they want to remake this film. Um, and there was a rumor that Lady Gaga was going to do Audrey for a long time, which I actually think could have worked. Could still work. Um, she's doing a lot more film now. I think um, she still could. Yeah. If they really wanted to. I mean, I don't really think the film needs to be redone because it's so, so good. good. It's such a great 80s film. Like, yeah. yeah. But anyway, go check that out. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's playing. I think it's going to be playing for a long time. It just keeps pumping putting people in and it's a great great show agreed so one more bit of news before we go to pop music drop i know we're almost out of time there were, we so um we had said room with adrian warren was canceled for this probably season and so we we're like okay one less show to wear because we have this thing where jeff and i are going to see or we have so far seen every broadway show in this tony season there's a few more to come we have a few more coming up and of course the podcast episodes to follow and we're tired <laughs> and we're tired but the james earl but we jones, love it <laughs> the james earl jones theater where room was supposed to go is now going to hold a new play and just under the wire it's getting in for this tony season so yes we have another show to go see before tony wards how excited uh, are you he, oh i'm excited though because i wanted to see this off broadway it's oscar isaac and Rachel Brosnahan bringing the sign in Sidney Brewstein's window to Broadway from Brooklyn Academy of Music's production off Broadway out in Brooklyn. It just closed and now it's sliding in. I think it's getting in. It's going to open like the last eligible day at the end of April for Tony Awards. Um, I'm excited to see this because I think they're both great. I heard great things about it. Uh, so we got to get in now to see this before June 11th, I think, our Tony Awards. Talk, so talk about just getting in there. Yeah, well, it slid in. It slid in. This is, I believe, a revival of the Lorraine Hansberry play. So I just want to announce that and say it's opening night is April 27th. So we have another play to go see. Ready and, and breathe. Yes. <laughs> Ready and breathe. Because guess what? We're getting into the pop music drop. Yes. <laughs> it's pop music drop time. These are my top six songs that I recommend of the week, which they all can be found at our pop music drop playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. So this is where I like to ask Richie if he thinks that these songs are going to be a bob or a flop. So Richie, are you ready? Ready. For the top six songs. Starting with... Chapel Rowan Kaleidoscope. I don't usually like her, but I do like this song. Oh, because really? it's slow. And because it's, it's got good <laughs> lyrics. Wow. The other songs have good lyrics too. <laughs> no more comment on that. Uh he tries. Uh Cat Burns, Live More and Love More. Yes, I liked this. Great. I, I put it as a bop. Bob. Up next, Girly with Cheap Love. Um, I really loved this one. This was a, I might have been my favorite one of all six. It's my favorite one of all six, too. Definitely Bob. Then we have Purple Disco Machine and Kungs with Substitution. I put yes, Bob, and I found this one for you. He so did. I will take credit for that. He did. He immediately said, Did you hear about this new Purple Disco Machine song? And I said, Well, I didn't even get a chance to listen to the music yet, but great. So yes. thanks for the find, Richie. Uh, Georgia, it's euphoric. I put this as Bob too. I like this one. Great. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, the Aces solo. Solo Bob too. They're all Bobs for me this week. Boom. 
We did it. We did it. Top six bops with Richie. Awesome. Well, we're coming close to an end here. So, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, so please subscribe on our podcast on Spotify and Apple Music, and leave us a review if you love what you heard today. We also want you to join in on our conversations and engage with us, so head over to Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast and comment on the latest post and podcast episodes. So, we would love to hear from you, but... And you're getting another episode in a few days because this one was a little delayed, but we got to keep getting our weekly episodes out because we have tons of shows coming tons up to get shows. in before Tony Awards. So make sure you're following us. And we, uh, we're really doing a lot with our Instagram lately. So please follow us at Half Hour Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Those are the two main places we're doing most of our posting and engagement. Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Make sure you follow us there. Yes. Thank you all for listening. So until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. Saying, ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.